Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 6th of May 2018. Quite the times we live in. Quite the times. I was talking to someone this week on the incredible amount of management we have over us. The general public have no idea at all what's going on with the multi-layered strata, really, of specialized departments and really forms of bureaucracies that are added on, tacked on, tacked on, tacked on. And a lot of them don't get elected, of course. They're, as you well know, they're actually farmed out to private organizations by government to managers. This, This is the new form of governance, as they call it. And we're really well into it, you know, well into it. But the public, again, are kept running and and when they're not running and working, they're playing. And when they're playing, they're being indoctrinated. And when they're playing, they want to get zonked out, too. They don't want you to think about all the nasty, nasty stuff that's going on in the world because it's too much the way it's presented to them, especially because it's all perception management. You're given the perceptions you're supposed to have and how you're supposed to think about things and how you're supposed to see things. It's quite the system we live in. Quite the system. But when you look at it all, it makes a lot of sense the way they do it on behalf of the controllers and owners. We're owned. We truly are owned. When you see the arrogance, that incredible arrogance that has come out of universities with the new courses and managing us all, from the eco this and eco that and sustainability this and sustainability that, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? They've all got to get jobs. And they get jobs through massive grants to the private organizations that manages. But as I say, people have been weaned out of democracy, with, but still under the illusion that they have it, because they're allowed to vote every four or five years. But in reality, it's, a, it's your governance, the governance system, is not democratic. It's not intended to be democratic. It's intended to have the appearance of democracy. The old Soviet system, remember, Soviet system meant rule by council. And these councils were appointed by, by the people at the top of the Soviet system, naturally. But they had the appearance of almost voluntary, almost voluntary panels, you might say, for, for unions or for different uh, strata, again, of working class peoples or workers, put it that way. This nonsense about it was for the workers is a, is a good con indeed, <laughs> the Soviet system, because it wasn't. But nothing ever is. Nothing really ever is. Power and technique of governing billions of people across the world has never been lost. And since we've been here for an awful long time with this system we call civilization, and by that I really just mean that we have records of writing at the very least, because writing seems to have come in not to entertain yourselves and read good novels in ancient days, to chipping away in the cave there on your stone tablets, and uh, no, nothing to do with that at all. It was to do, if you look at Sumer, for instance, about record-keeping, monetary record-keeping especially, law, the transference of property, the, the dividing of property, land property, and so on. Incredible system, very so incredibly old. But along with it came governance. How do you govern the people? And... Naturally, those who had the education 
and those who had the time to study how to con people, basically, how to manage the people. And it's, it's an art in itself, a big art. Machiavelli wasn't the first person to, to come along with techniques of being awfully devious. I think from the beginning of time, this whole idea of governance has always been there. It's always been there. And so what you get, really, is a system where school is taught to the few. And school comes from the Greek word, the old Greek term, for leisure. Because only those with leisure could learn anything. The rest of people were toiling away or slaving away, literally slaving away at times. But the, the, this, the people who would end up governing the people and managing big businesses, the, the old corporations of their day, the big corporations, to do with trade and so on, they were taught how to manage the general public. In a sense, too, that's what also philosophy, old ancient philosophy, was all about. Maybe even not so much ancient either, by the way. It's a substitute, especially in a post-Christian era today, of how to manage people, how people tick, what life's about, according, always from a ruling class's point of view, and how to manage the people. And Plato was, was more open about it, because he wrote about it in the Republic, basically. He put into it the questions that he and his own particular class at the time had been asking and throwing around amongst each other about governing the people and how to do it and so on. What do people want? How do you keep them happy? How do you, how do you even mislead them? And also, along with it comes the, the arrogance of trying to, to find a, a reason for being so arrogant. <laughs> Which is, of course, and this is the thing with Plato, he said, is it possible that we, the governors, basically, have lived before, since we, we can understand the geometry very quickly, we pick it up very quickly, mathematics and so on, but these other people can't. So the rationalizing is, well, that's because we're superior in that case. Anything that makes you feel superior is a good technique for being really rotten to everybody else. That's never changed. Never changed. But today, getting back to today, in an atheistic system of secular humanism and the humanistic philosophies, and along with it comes eugenics and everything else, you don't have the barriers which kept you from implementing real in-depth eugenics. They're gone now. They've gone completely. The moral barriers are, are gone. Because now the general population are pretty well the same. They're, they're atheistic. They've been brought up and raised by television, uh, where they get so much of their opinions from. And opinions, remember, to have a fully informed opinion, you'd have to have access to every possible piece of information on the subject. And you'd have to have an honest presentation, which I've never heard an honest presentation in my life on anything. Because presentations are generally slanted in such a way by omission of other... It's like, it's like, medic, it's like drugs, for instance, for, for medications. Such a massive scam goes on about... And I've, I've done the articles before, years ago, from the mainstream newspapers, for, for, from people who didn't give their names out, but they wrote a lot of the write-ups for... Uh, and they claimed they did all the testing for a particular drug or whatever, and they, they, they fudged it all for big money. And this is a common practice, of course. So you, you never get an honest presentation on anything. 
especially, especially when it comes from your own government. It won't happen. There's always mass... See, the agendas in government are always preset before the public even hear what they're on about. They're already... The agendas are set pretty well in stone. How do we get from the, the, the mass we've heard from this, sitting in this field to that field over yonder? And then the, the, they work, and this is old technique, mind you. They work in tandem with other governments because they're all run by the same system. There's only one system here to do with, again, with the, the big banking powers. And underneath the banking comes, again, the leisure class. They can do all the professions. And all, they can work away at all the professions through good education. They already have the universities sewn up to make sure that their own selected people will get in to them. And that's why you have uh, varieties of various um, clubs, you might call them, <laughs> uh, which select who gets into the universities and the high levels and who, who, who doesn't. And who gets scholarships today, too, especially in the U.S. It's very open about how it's run. You've had all the clues in your lifetime, although it's probably gone over your heads. You're taught that anything that invalidates this whole idea of we're just stumbling along day by day and people just come along, get elected and start fixing things and working things out for you. If you come up with a different version of that, because again, you've got to have access to all the information on any particular topic, right? Then only then can you come to a really a really informed conclusion. Everything is slanted, though. Some countries are so open up. I, I when I was a, a child, I used to, because my dad was into electronics, as, as a hobby. Not very good at it, because he really didn't have the you know he, he just didn't have the, the basic. He sent off these kits for making radios, and. Something would always go wrong uh, when he's reading the diagrams and so on. But occasionally I would pick up an old one they, they'd been working on and got it going. And, and you could pick up shortwave, which was terrific at that time. But I listened to the BBC as well on the radio. And there's a, a very obvious technique and format which BBC used. But it was like a system dictating to the public, the Bureau of blah, 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 and the Department of blah, blah, blah has decided that blah, blah, blah. And the Ministry of Agriculture has decided that blah, blah, blah. It was like diktats to the public. But what got me was as time went on, the Soviet, the Radio Moscow, began to sound exactly like the BBC. The Supremes, blah, 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 of the people have the house decided blah, blah, blah. And the same thing, departments of, departments of, departments of. And that format is even in China now. It's across the whole planet. And of course, you you definitely see it with uh, CBC Canada and Australian, Radio Australia and so on. Because, see, all information must be standardized. And that's how it's going to form the opinions that your masters want you to have. But so you must all get the same information. No more, just the same information at the same time on the same topics to make sure you all have the same standardized opinion. And it works awfully well. When you've aimed at world domination a long time ago, and there's definitely a group, by the way, that's been here for an awful long time, with different strata of deceptions across the world, with, with the money ones at the top 
since everything must run on this money system. And this money system must go work in hand with the World Bank in this, this day and age, and the Bank for International Settlements that Carol Quigley talked about. They'd be the arbiters across the whole planet for currency and the value of each nation's currency. But it also means you must have central banks to draw from, which are all privately owned too, by the same people across the whole planet. And because everything runs on this money system, and this money decides if you live, die, or you get a good education, or you don't, or you get an incredibly good income, even if you're pretty dumb, with a good education, and lots of folk are, therefore most folk want to get more money. And they'll do anything to get it. And that's where you come into this class idea. And it is true, I've listened to different classes, and I've got an ability to stand out of things and just observe and remember. And it's fascinating to me, always fascinating, to hear the different opinions for different classes. that they'll, they'll, they'll parrot. Guaranteed they'll parrot too. It's quite fascinating to see how it works and what those opinions are going to be on different topics. This is just me doing that. But then I read all the studies that the big boys do all the time on all of us. They've got all the universities in this day and age completely involved, using our tax money, of course, to give them grants, to study, everything to do with humans, everything. Sexual habits, all kinds of things, likes, dislikes, even passing fads that you're given from the top. What do you think about this passing fad? And they come out with the percentages and all the rest of it and so on. And that's what George Orwell had, of course, in 1984 with the percentage game too. Every government in the world has this percentage departments now, which is meant to make you bend one way or another. Well, most folk have decided, and 60-odd percent decided, blah, blah, blah. Oh, therefore, they won in a sense, so do you want to be on board with, with, the, with the winners? That, it's so simple a technique, but it actually works. Because humans are not quite logical, like Bertrand Russell said. He knew this, and he was one of the planners for the masters at the top. So getting back to what I'm saying, in the system, pretty well everybody wants to get up on the top, as much money as they can. And because of that, those who rule the money are guaranteed to keep the same system going with them in the top, even though as they change it for all those down below, as it goes along. The origin, for instance, of Freemasonry, regardless of the rubbish they give you, is, is very old. And there's no doubt about it that, that in the Middle Ages, we were given lots and lots of data about this organization. The organization, again, was based on wealth and power at the top. It also had to bring in people from different strata of the classes in society to make it work more harmoniously without too many rebellions on different levels. So they, they gave you organizations Rosicrucianism, for instance. And when they created the bigger system of Freemasonry from Rosicrucian, they they adopted a degree into it of the Rosicrucian system. But you can definitely find it in in the 1500s and 1600s. And the U.S. basically took, not by accident, by the way, but it took the same agenda of the New Atlantis before it became the United States of America. 
And if you understand that, you'll understand the money system, the money people. You'll understand how it was to take over the, the world system and manage the whole world system of money, bring it all under its control. But the, the bulk of the population were always to be kept in the dark. They were to be given a, a, a plausible but fake reality for themselves to believe in as to what their system was. But a, a, a secret elite would manage the system. And that's how things really are. And that's how they've always been since then. The old idea, the old idea about John Dee, for instance, he brought too much disrepute upon himself and, his, and, the, and the clique that he was in with by what he did with the calling down of different spirits and so on. And he used Kabbalah. It was too, too well open and then the calling up of the dead and so on. It did not go well in a time when there's a Christian church on the go. Francis Bacon picked it up, still used Kabbalah, and he tried to camouflage a little bit, make it more palatable and intriguing, of course. A good story is always intriguing. And they came out with a, with a, a more acceptable version, put it that way, for the people who become members of it down the road, right to this present day. And in London, of course, they already had the group in there, and they created the city of London, which is the banking centre, and it became the banking centre for the whole planet at one point. After the world, after it was got getting used and used and used, they moved the, the centre of power, especially the gopher side of it, the, the, the army side of it, because weaponry gets more and more expensive. Britain was had its sponge wrung out by two world wars, but they moved it to the US. And I think it was always always meant to be that way. It was set, the US was set up to take over. And the U.S. only has a few things to do today before it sells. It will, it'll be run out too, and it must submerge into the world system that it forced upon everybody else. And it did force it. The U.S. has never had peace, really, for any length of time. Even in peacetime, they've, been, they've had many covert wars on the go. And most folk today are trained. We're trained that it's normal. There are people today who were born into the first big attack on the Middle East, after World War II, that is. The first big attack was Saddam Hussein going into Kuwait. And the reasons were quite clear at the time. It's not, it was articles in major magazines about it before it all happened, because he looked for permission to go in and stop the Kuwaitis from doing parallel drilling under the ground into Iraqi territory. That's what happened. I think, and, and some of the science magazines had, had diagrams and so on showing you how it was done. <laughs> and he thought he'd get permission to go in and, and stop it all, and he did go in. And then they turned on him, of course, because Kuwait really was set up. The oil fields in Kuwait were set up by the Bush family, for those who didn't know that. That was one of the first projects of the father, who also was the head of the CIA at one point. See, so you're dealing with strategies where most people will think, here's the goal. We're short-term thinkers and, sh- and, and very close, close view, you might say, um, uh, projects. We can't understand things that are, we'll do this first, which will lead to this, which will lead to that, which will lead to this. That's exactly how the world is run. Therefore, Saddam Hussein had to be taken out, and that 
that this went on for years. Now there are people born about 1991, and all they've ever known is war against different places in the Middle East. Which, again, revamped even further. Don't forget, it had even stopped from the about 91 onwards. But it got revamped more so with, with 9-11 happening. You know, the Pearl Harbor event that the PNAC group talked about. That they would need to happen. And they got it. And you find that literally a, a pretty well a generation has grown up thinking it's all quite normal. They think it's quite normal, especially since 9-11, that everything is monitored, everything they do is monitored, everything they say is monitored, everything they email, write, or whatever is all monitored and kept. I think it's all quite normal because they've grown up in it. And that's how easy it is. That's how easy it is to take rights away from the people. It's just too easy, isn't it? So incredibly easy. And they've always known this too, that people will do with less to eat, for instance, during wartime, like World War Two, or one for that matter, they did have rationing to an extent in World War One in Britain. Then they went straight into Great Depression, and then they went straight into World War Two. And it wasn't until the, the 1950s that they got them off the ration cards. You're a malnourished generation there. And I remember reading on the air at the time an article from the Green Party leader in Britain who said, if only we can have something like the Blitz in Britain, where they'd obey government and they'd do with less and become a, like austerity, stumble, preaching austerity, and, and, and do with, with uh, not expecting as much f- financially, with less, less money, less buying power for things, and just do what they were told. Obey, obey, obey. She thought this was great. If only I could bring it back in. She's not unique. I hope folk never think, they never fall for the TV version of the, the decent people. I hope they don't. There's a duality pretty on everybody. We all have the choices, don't we? And most folk will always take the, the choice that benefits them directly, first and foremost, regardless of the, of the expense of other people. And talking about so many different deceptions, all working together in strata, with, with a whole long-term agenda to fulfill. And wars galore, always around the same area, you'll notice. Why is that? Unraveling what happens in the world. It's a simple detective story. And you, you have to find who the players are. What do they have in common? That's what detectives do on anything. That's what governments do all the time. If they find their people who are upset about things and sending in petitions and this and that and the other, what do they all have in common? Are they are they what what what, what ethnic group are they are they from? What religious group are they from? What this what that what gender blah 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 blah? That's what they do. So why are you all always over there in the Middle East? Hmm? Money, a money system worldwide. A system talked about in the Middle Ages. A system that could create Freemasonry to bring a larger group in to help with it all. Who will personally profit from it one way or another. They get privileges. And depending on the rank within Masonry, and it's a rank system, they would get more privileges if you're higher up the rank, obviously. And yet, it's forbidden for this group to discuss themselves what their so-called secrets are. 
to the general public. And you accept that, don't you? And I, yeah, every, everybody's got people who, and friends who, are, who, who have been or are Masons or relatives. Pretty well. And their generations, you'll find, you're, you're going to find somebody. And some were working class people, mainly from World War One onwards. That's when you started bringing the working class in more, more, more so. Before that, it was strictly a, a pretty well a professional type um, system. People who would govern the people. But you still need a bigger, bigger um, percentage of them, especially when you have so many wars to fight and plan. Do you see? And that's where you are today. Twenty years ago, the group that took over America who were very vocal about their intentions, a group that could take a whole nation and all its taxpayers <laughs> and, and put them to war. It's a very powerful group indeed. And they knew they'd only have one run, uh, run at it at one go. And they knew too that they'd have to come back in again. This is before they started it all. They knew how long they'd last, pretty accurately. They didn't get it all done. The first time, they had a whole list drafted up, and that's, that's common knowledge what the list is, and, and the general, Clark, talked about it too. And I remember at the time, all that time ago, the countries they wanted to take out, and Saddam Hussein really had nothing to do with 9-11, remember, and they'd made that later. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It was someone else's agenda. It wasn't what the people thought it was. And other country, another country, and you know, all the way, all the way, all through, all the rest of countries, including Libya and into Syria, and finish them off as well. Rather adamant about it, and we're still going through it again today. They knew they'd have to bring in someone else again, almost covertly, to get the public to back it, because they would never vote in the Peanut Group again a group that can change its names when they want to, and they did, of course. But what a power, what a power to use nations and their armies and their finances and their complete military setup to advance a goal that the public are basically ignorant of. And how they, they, and they can take 20 years, 20 years to build up, or actually to take over a whole movement Oh, people! In the, I can remember the Patriot Movement in the U.S. There were all kinds of stations which filled in all the different blanks to do with what the ordinary people thought America was about. And it was, at one point, a kind of beacon on rights to, to the rest of the world. Regardless of, by that time, the governments didn't follow it. <laughs> the laws and so on. But at least the people knew, and they, they would stand up and complain together and demand, which is an awful nuisance to governments. You don't get so much of it today, you notice. Again, because you're under a form of warfare-type scenario, just like the Green Party member in Britain said, you'll put up with more and accept it. But that group way back then, with 9-11, knew their time would be short. And they had a second plan to get someone else in way down the road under a guise, a deception guise. And how do you get a big, big backing? Well, you take over the natural movement of the people that really was across the whole country, of people with their rights and so on. 
copy it. What you do is, is make a copy of it. That's what you do. And then you start, after a while, start bending it a bit more, bending it a bit more, until you can take them in 180 degrees, all the followers, till they're actually, they've actually changed positions of where they all were before without even knowing it. It's so slick. And they're used as a massive voting block. Not that the people had any chance of, of a decent vote in the first place with what's presented to them like the last time by different parties. Because there is only one system. And as Quigley said, speaking on behalf of the CFR and the Royal Chief for International Affairs, he said himself that the leaders and a few, a few around the leaders are allowed competition of parties, but the agendas must be the same. They all belong to the same organization. They all know it. Communism, for instance, was a front, had, had many front groups with, with wonderful sounding names and national sounding names like Federalists and, you know, etc. Stacks and stacks of them. CFR is another front organization, not run by the communists, but run by the folk who ran the communists as well, because one group run all sides. And I've gone through the histories of how fascinated they were with all the different um, systems they were trying out at the time. They were fascinated by the, the communist system. They studied it because it showed you how to manage millions of people and how to overcome difficulties in managing millions of people and get, making them really obedient and sacrificing for, for a belief. That's all, all incredibly well studied. And they, they also studied the, the Nazi system, another socialist system. Don't forget the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which was a Soviet system, and the, the, the National Socialist Movement of Germany. Don't forget it. And what you're in today, under this wonderful sounding, well, social, the word social it means, it means you're friendly, doesn't it? Social. I'm a social person. I like mix. I'm gregarious. Are you? Does that mean you've got to be gregarious to be social? Think about it. But it's, it's hard to fight against, isn't it? Terminology is awfully important for brainwashing and deceiving the people. You're living in a, an incredibly well-organized, total system where you've never had a time where so much propaganda is inserted in novels for books, children's books as well. The entire school system with the teachers' toolkits on how to get everybody's brain wrapped around the, this central pole you're going to give to them to believe in. And for the, how to get, how to bypass or overcome those who who, re, who were resistant to the indoctrination. It's amazing. But what's more amazing is that people don't even realize what's happened. It's sad, isn't it? Very, very sad how you can be deceived, that you can be used. I mentioned before about how the how uh, the Illuminati, the old Illuminati system, how it had it, it copied the Jesuit technique of confession of its own priests. But the Jesuits did it in order to find the weak spots to make them strong. 
because we're going to send these guys off around the world into places where people would still eat you. So I have to be incredibly strong. And, and any weakness they had, it couldn't be a chink in the armor to bring them down. Whereas Weishaupt thought he would use a similar system, get the confession. Again, give the recruits, his recruits, a, 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 another system of, to believe in and a cause to believe in, which sounded awfully good, really. The, you know, the brotherhood of man and all that stuff. But in reality, it'd be for world domination by a, a secret clique at the top. And that's why it's been copied ever since. And anyone who eventually clued in they were being used could be blackmailed because they'd confessed. So once again, if the mirror image copy a system where the people really believe for the good of humanity, they go out and help the poor, feed the sick, all that stuff, and give them a strength so they couldn't get a chink in the armor and, and be and collapse. Because if you collapsed, you could bring other, other ones down with you. But Weishaupt's technique was to use a managerial class, get the same thing going, and uh, threaten them if they decide to, to leave, for instance. You'll find the poets, for instance, Shelley, for instance, he, he was part of the, the later group too. He, he talked about it quite openly, how he believed he was a member of this organization. At that time, they saw it as a revolutionary force. You have so many statements from members or ex-members of different organizations, all umbrellaed under the same group, by the way. And they all have charitable works to help their own people, supposedly. And they also believe, even the lower orders, that they're somehow special. Given a few, a few basic ideas that they never dreamed on, or dreamt up on their own, left to themselves. And they now feel superior to everybody else who are called the profane. Utter arrogance. The same kind of arrogance, as I say, you find from professors, for instance. Professors who want to manage us, cull down the herd of humanity, who openly discuss it in some television stations in other countries, that they've got to start thinning out the herd and sterilizing compulsorily the general population. And there are humane ways of killing people, so they won't know they're being killed off. Uh, you could put it in your food, you could put inoculations. It's been discussed. Bertrand Russell talked about it. He says, by use of the needle, <laughs> for instance, water. And yes, they do discuss these things. They do. And that hasn't changed, that hasn't stopped. The incredible arrogance. Today, and, and like last week too, I mentioned about the identity politics and difference. Oh, splitting off of all kinds of people, things that, that would keep people together. To stand up together. Now they're all in their own little compartments. I'm a this, I'm a that, blah, 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 blah. And you really need, do you really need someone, and think about it, who is a professor to tell you that a man is a man and a woman is a woman? Do you really need that? You better think about that too and think, why do you need that? Don't you trust yourself? If a man is XY, chromosomes, and women's XX, they'll be that way to the die. But we're in such an age that the more divisions you can create within society and manage each division, by the way, then you can really stop the people uniting 
to fight for their basic rights. Without basic rights, you have none at all. None whatsoever. And you must have the right of privacy, for one. It's incredible how far it's gone taking away your privacy. Incredible. And open, so open today. They can do whatever they want with your information. Like Yahoo's come out with it now. Incredible. Everything you put out there that they, they can see is theirs. Everything. They can take it, use it as they wish, and sell it to who they want to be. You have no comeback on, them on, for, on any grounds whatsoever. And you pay for this. But by the way, they're all going the same way. Most of them are already that way anyway. They just lie about it. Do you think Facebook's changed? Do you really think that? That's a good con, that one. That's a good con. There's nothing better than to put folk back to sleep when they're starting to see, is this all kosher, you know? There's nothing better uh, than pretending a little inquiry's gone underway and you've changed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, how we're managed today, right? And you still think you're democratic. If you're democratic, then anything... That should affect the general, the general public. I don't care about all the different groups. General, all of you, right? Should be put to the vote, like Switzerland does on major. Th- oh, they really do. How long they've got to continue like this? I don't know. It might be a long time yet. They are the Red Cross. Remember, here are some articles, for instance, to show you about this incredible behemoth. Of a strata, multi-layered strata of new management, all on top of us, all to manage us. And they call it management. They mean total mind management too, by the way. So we'll touch on some of them here tonight. I hate reading. I'm not going to read the news for you, the general, the general news with, with, the, with the wars to come. Because we all know it's set in stone. We know this. We've seen other ones get slaughtered, bombed to the Stone Age. You know this. So why repeat what the major media is going to tell you? Because they're all, all on board with it, obviously. Now here, I'm going to use Canada as an example, because Canada's awfully avant-garde about it, about the management of everybody and everything. Completely on board with it. Don't forget, too, Canada was signed on for world government before anybody else was. And we've had prime ministers in Canada said they're all for world government and giving up its national sovereignty. So why do we why do we bother voting for a nation in that case? Anyway, Impact Canada Initiative is an example because you all have the same organizations working in your countries. It's global, remember. It was announced in Budget 217, 2017, the Impact Canada Initiative. It's a whole this is what the Canada call it, is a whole off government hyphenated effort. Whole off government. You would understand what they're saying here. They're talking about the multi-strata layer that I just mentioned to you. About people management. Effort that will help departments accelerate the adoption of outcomes-based funding approaches. Outcomes-based funding approaches to deliver meaningful results to Canadians. You understand how it's purposely vague as well. Except they're going to give lots of your tax money. To all these other groups, I might mention some of them tonight, 
they're going to manage you, just like the Soviet system. This is a new super-Soviet, the way it's supposed to have been, but never got to in, in Russia. And the States is the same. They've got it working out too, under sustainability and so on. Anyway, it says, outcomes-based funding approaches represent a new way of managing grants, your grants, the good, massive grants, these private organizations, and contribution funding that shifts the traditional emphasis on process and outputs towards one where payments are tied to the achievement of measurable economic, environmental, and or social outcomes. See? So these are organizations, private organizations, getting massive funding to change society on behalf of the masters, which means they already know where they're going to change you to. You know, we are thinking, living, and all the rest of it. A big article in itself. And everyone who belongs to these organizations will understand perfectly well what they're on about. They'll be partly vague to the general public. Now here are some of the different uh, subdivisions within this article here. Innovative funding and partnership approaches. They even talk about laundering large-scale challenges to crowdsource up their solutions and pressing problems. Getting the public to participate in something in other words that they haven't got a clue what it really is all about. They think they will, just like the Illuminati did. The, the, the members all thought they knew, but they were getting used for, for, by, and by a very powerful group at the top. But also they mentioned about how they've got the private sector involved, drawn together, government, private sector, philanthropic uh, and non-profit sectors. Now, philanthropy, remember, uh, is an article to do, I read that a few years back in fact, to do with the CFR, for instance, and the big foundations. And this is why you're seeing the, the rise of these, what you, what you think are self-made people, which are, and they're not at all, the Bill Gates and the Zuckerbergs and so on, did participate in how you should live and how your life should be run and all the rest of it. You don't vote these folk in, but see how they've slickly made it sort of almost normal that they're, they're involved in, in the Gates Foundation. They, they get inoculations and vaccinations across the world, whether people want it or not, and things like that. How come they're all on board in the same agenda? You set a magic number of income, and then you're a philanthropist, and you're all on board with the same thing. Bring down the population, and you, you pr- promote this and that and the other things. It's rather odd, isn't it? It must, it must be like a religious experience when it all, it all comes over them all of a sudden. And I've I got to help the people and make sure they all get vaccinations and eat food that's going to poison them, etc. Impact measurement. The team has worked with partners co-design, co-develop evidence-based approaches to ensure improved program outcomes. So there's even got specialised uh, departments just making sure that how, to, how it all works, how you can implement it and make it work. And other ones that come along and study them to make sure that it works, like this behavioural insights, for instance. They've got behavioural insights teams. And this team has extensive experience supporting the execution and delivery of experiments and projects incorporating behavioural insight methodologies. When you bring in new things into society, for instance, if they want you off the land, which, of course, under Agenda 21, they do. And Agenda 21 is out the window with 2030 and so on. 2030 are subdivisions of the implementation goals of Agenda 21. That 21 is for the whole century, things that must be put across and finished off in one century. And they want you off the land. 
So how how will the people behave about it? How would you put it across to, to fool them and make them go along with it and convince them that they should really just give it all up, you know, and, you know? Well, you bring in your your, your special behavioral insights team. They find they have experience in studies on large and small scales, it says here, uh, experiments that they've run before, and the strategic application of behavioral science, see? to policy development and direct support of government of Canada's core mandate and commitments. Why doesn't the government come out and just tell the general population that pays their wages, awfully good wages at that, what their big goals are, eh? And that'll be the day. Next, the other initiatives that the IIU is working on include increasing recruitment of women into the Canadian Armed Forces, etc. That's, a, that's again, it goes right along with Plato's whole idea of bringing in uh, women into the forces too. And then you breed the male and female together to, to, to create an, an army, a uh, constant army, intergenerational army. Interesting that too, isn't it? I'll put that up anyway. You have to read it for yourselves. It's really interesting. Really, really interesting. And it's his privacy statement that the information you provide through the surveys, surveys and so on, is collected under the authority of the Department of Employment and Social Development Act for the purpose of measuring the performance of Canada.ca and continually improving the website. That's a website and so on. But it doesn't really go into detail for the general public who are out of the picture. It's meant to be, you're meant to be out of the picture. They don't want the general public looking into their websites in Canada. Or it's meant to be so vague you would never catch on what they're up to. Another one, too, is this article here. It's basically a message from the minister. It says, to do with smart cities. The smart cities challenge. For those who don't know what it is, it's where you bring, bring forth the, the Google and, the, and all the other Wi-Fi and Internet systems together and manage all information on every single person 24 hours a day, no matter where they are within their smart cities. How, what heat they've got their heat turned to. Uh, air conditioning, perhaps. How much electricity have used that week on what? Yadi, 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 yadi. Total, total management. And you still think you are democracies? What planet are you from? So anyway, and did they ask the people if they want this? No. And do big payoffs get made to even council members and stuff? Of course they do. Yeah, big time. So anyway, I've got an article there about that two smart cities challenge overview. And again, the big, big massive grants getting given out of your tax money. It ties in with the last article. It's a competition, smart cities challenge. It's a competition open to all municipalities, local or regional governments, and indigenous communities. By the way, uh, they can win millions of dollars. Millions. They find ways to start implementing it in their own little areas. Not bad, eh? What is a smart city's approach? What is it, eh? Openness. When communities make their data truly accessible, that's all your data. Usable and barrier-free, their decision-making processes become transparent, empowering citizens and strengthening the relationship between residents and public organizations. Public organizations? Is that these little NGOs, the new Soviet systems? Of course it is, folks. That's, that is the employment for the future, for the psychopaths who are listening out there who, who want to jump on the bandwagon and, uh, and become very wealthy. You won't get it in, in any actually making and producing things anymore. This is where the big money is. Also, Hanoi studies Canada, Vietnam, because, because Canada is showing them how to develop a smart city development. 
Right, not good, eh? So we got a delegation over from Hanoi, and they visited Canada from April 18 to 20 to learn about the operation of people elected agencies. People elected agencies, there you go. And development of smart cities in the North American country. Hmm, not bad, eh? Canada's ahead of all these old communist countries. And then you have the, the, the area called, the, the city called Moncton, uh, taking part in the Smart Cities Challenge again. And it gives you ideas, an uh, incredible amount of money they're putting up there, up for tax money, millions and millions and millions of dollars, to really make sure they can bring on board those who have any say and sway over the general public in their own area. Is that called a payoff? Oshawa and Ontario, the next city to join Bell's all-fibre broadband network. Isn't that not wonderful? It's got $100 million plus investment, deliver world's best internet technology to approximately 60,000 residences and businesses. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Through a stair here, where I am, you, uh, uh, two or three years ago, actually, the polls went up, new, new big uh, polls for electricity and cable and the rest of it, and the big, big fibre optic cables that go all the way through through uh, this little village here. But they're not going to take any off for high-speed internet to the general population in this little area. Why? Because, and I've read you the articles from Winners and Losers in the coming New World Order, Jack's Italian, all these subsequent books as well. And he said that, that uh, the winners will be those who get high-speed internet and so on. And those who are in the countryside can't get it and can't afford high-speed because you... <laughs> You've been paying hundreds of dollars a month to get even, say, 50 gigs in the country. And if you've got a family, they'll go through that rather quick. So nag, 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 can we go to the city? There you go. Bing, Agenda 21. Anyway, here's an article that says, The Bell's all-fibre broadband network. How wonderful it'll be, and how we're going to tie that in, too, to all the big smart cities, too, etc., etc. Although Bell has the, the monopoly on everything in Canada, and everything else is... Uh, basically sold off and, and, and rented out to other companies. Also, Tesla's experiments with smart power grids, again, they're doing it in Canada and Nova Scotia. So pilot projects will use companies of Tesla's Powerwall, two home uh, batteries. And it's amazing that we pay for, the, for, for setting up the, the factories to build all this stuff for these private individuals, isn't it? Uh, and it's not a bad deal being a, a big, big multi. Uh, obviously, a very specially elected person at a very high level. There's a way that above uh, what the public can, can. They can't even get near them, for instance, these people. With, with their electric cars. It just happens to be this is the agenda. Here's the front man to pretend it's all his. And here is uh, your government money, your taxpayers' money to make their big businesses flourish. Quite something, eh? And the whole world is under this. South Australia, two Tesla partner on world's largest virtual power plant. Again, too, like this virtual one, too. I guess you may pay them in virtual money, maybe monopoly money or something. And then you have this article, too, ICLEI. Awfully important. I've mentioned this many times before in the past, about how they all grafted themselves on your local councils, even the smallest towns and how they're managing you too, awfully, awfully, awfully well, in fact, aren't they, really, as we bring in their whole system. And it really is the local governments for sustainability, again, massive grants again. 
Founded in 1990 as International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. International Council? Do you vote for an international council, people? No, you don't. So, it's an international organization of local governments and national and regional local government organizations, private, 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 you don't vote for them, that have made a commitment to sustainable development. Agenda 21. And they're on every board of every council across the country. And you don't elect them in. But they're there. And they get paid now. Initially it was, it was free, you know, they were voluntary, voluntary initially. We're do-gooders and we're here to help you. And now you've got all these different, to build even a small hut somewhere, you're going to need a, an environmental study and this, that and the other, and impact studies, yada, 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 before you can do anything. And then wait for permission. Another one, too, has become part of a national program focused on resilience and adaptation to building adaptive and resilient committees, BARC, a program, or a comprehensive way to respond to the impacts of climate change. Everything's mixed in together. And don't forget, climate change, which has always been here from, I guess, the day we, 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 the Earth just popped, whatever you want to call it, uh, it could be. And here we all are. We've always had climate change. But now you, it's all your fault for climate change. Apparently it's supposed to be static all the time, just bright sun, a nice 75 degrees and, uh, you know, forever and ever and ever. But it doesn't seem that so it must be all your fault. And you're going to pay for it dearly and go into austerity and do what you're told for the future, forever and ever. Amen. Because that's how it's planned. So anyway, you have this bark. So uh, they give you an online tool, etc., etc. Why join? It says build internal capacity and work collaboratively. That's with all their, their Soviet systems. Prepare for more costly and extreme weather events. Oh, they'll make that happen since weather control is routine today. Collaborate with peers and other municipalities. But don't ever go to the public and tell them what you're up to or that you even exist. Hmm? And receive support of the ICLEI's proven adaptation frameworks, foster and enhance stakeholder engagement, and make informed decisions and improve resilience. I can't stand bureaucraties' speech. Can you? But sir, this is where we're all going. You have no say in this. So why bother voting, folks? Why bother even voting? And so, changing climates and all the rest of it too. Stacks of articles actually from ICLEI Canada. And increasingly urban world cities and their surrounding regions have a growing influence on global patterns of production, consumption, innovation and technological development. At the same time, they're experiencing rapid change brought about by urbanization, climate change, shifting demographics and growing inequities that will continue to impact the urban environment. It's all your fault, you see. What happens now in around urban areas will define the course of global sustainable development this century. Collective action in the most pressing urban issues of our time is critical. So there you go. You've got your hand to tell these private organizations. Ah, it's a strata and layers and layers of this that you have no idea even exist anymore. That did not exist a few years back. Also, new charity child sex abuse scandal is sparked after UN launches probe into 60-year-old former WHO, that's the WHO, and UNICEF official, naturally it's UNICEF, arrested after being found with two boys at his home in Nepal. I've read so many articles over the years of this kind of nonsense, it just makes you sick of it. So Peter Dalglish, I think he's from Canada, of course, 
got caught with his two little boys. And he's there to help you from the United Nations. We've got Earthcare Thunder Bay, this is Ontario again, in partnership with Lakehead University, has launched a new climate change website. And launched the website coincides with Earth Day, which was Sunday, April 22nd. I think everything works together, eh? It just happens to appear in your calendar, and the next thing you know, you're... Mm. The website is a resource hub that brings together carefully slightly locally relevant information regarding climate change, right? So there you go. All these supra-national organizations running us all, and we don't elect any of them. Bill Gates calls on U.S. to lead fight against a pandemic that could kill 33 million people. No kidding, Bill, eh? Isn't that terrible? Isn't that scary, that stuff? Hmm? Quite amazing. And then China, for its workers, you see, have got helmets that measure emotional state. If you don't like your job and that, they'll notice it. There's a term, brain surveillance, sounds scary. Well, some companies in China are hoping to make the potential nightmare into reality. This is this electric company, Hanzu Zhongeng. Electric is one of several companies equipping its laboratories with helmets that read the brain activity. The idea is that managers at these companies can see with their cold, hard data whether workers are stressed, happy, angry or sad and adjust the workflow accordingly. I think they can do it off your computer, actually. <laughs> I'm sure it can sense a lot of things off you, too. I really can. I really believe that they could do that. Of course, they could always say that well, it wasn't intentional and they would just give a certain frequency out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure everything always sounds plausible, doesn't it? Also, I put up also Gerfec, the organisation, and it runs Scotland, and they're into everybody's families in Scotland. Under the, and Scotland is so much of a test bed for all this, this total Sovietised eugenics system. And they've got a petition in there to actually complain about the effect it's had on the public uh, appointing, where the government appoints agents for every child that's born who must get into the home every so often, assess everything, to make sure the child's got his proper, the proper opinions growing up on different things they're supposed to have. And they could, they could always you know, readjust your brain if you don't have them. It's this incredible totalitarianism. It truly is. It truly is. So I'll put a couple of articles on that up as well. And I'm sorry for rushing through this last part, but it's important that we do this because we really, really are in a massive totalitarian system. We really honestly are. And I hate to say it. For myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. 